In February of 2010, some of the biggest icons in fashion and celebrity gathered for an exclusive event in downtown London. In their best threads, guests stepped out of black cars while paparazzi snapped pictures. However, this wasn't an award show or some Hollywood premiere, but a much more somber event. It was the funeral of the great fashion designer Alexander McQueen. Guests like Naomi Campbell, Kate Moss, and Stella McCartney walked into the service at Trinity Church wearing high fashion couture in traditional black. Kate wore Louboutin stilettos with the signature red sole. There were capes, fascinators, and billowing sleeves on solemn faces. Usually funerals are a time for modesty. Wearing black, no flashy colors, not showing a lot of skin, all for respect for the one who has passed and their family. But this is a different affair. This is for a great fashion designer. So not showing up in your absolutely best dressed, even if it is a little flamboyant, well, it would be a disservice to him. So that's what Alexander McQueen's friends and family did for this intimate service. Some service goers even wore the designer's own designs. Is it vapid to care about fashion when it comes to a funeral? If you're a world-famous fashion designer, of course not. I think all of McQueen's friends pulling out couture funeral wear for his service is a total no-brainer for someone of his talent, but it's also a fitting gesture for someone who committed their entire life to being in fashion. But what about the rest of us? Should there be a dress code for your own funeral? Would you have everyone wear black or red like in China or who cares? And most importantly, what does the guest of honor wear? For me, a dusty tux that a mortician throws me in like a pillow in a pillowcase. will not cut it. And yeah, I want to be the best dressed one there. It's my funeral and I'll look hot if I want to. So what would you wear to your own funeral? We find out this episode of Prepare to Die. Okay, I've arrived at my friend's store, which is Creeps on Spadina. And they're kind of like the home of like really cool clothes that I would never feel 100% comfortable in. It's like a very Instagram explore page, very um, early aughts inspired Gen Z kind of strappy new take on uh, basics. Lots of like hoops and like stainless steel parts. Okay, and this guy is okay. And that's his alarm. A lot of that kind of stuff. Um, But honestly, a lot of it's very cool, very hot, lots of cutouts, skin, looking kind of baby doll, little coochie thing. Are we following? Okay. Uh, So I'm hoping I can find something that I will look hot, sexy, and fly in when I am buried. Let's go. So if you've followed the podcast for this long, you know that I'm all in for a green funeral. But we got to talk about something. Green funeral shrouds. Green funeral shrouds. Google them right now. I'll give you a second. They're ugly. Okay, if you don't know what a shroud is, it's basically a ecological way to cover the body and to have it decompose in a green way like all the other tenants 
um, of green funerals, like the coffin and everything else, but they are weird looking and I don't like them. Not only that, they're scary. The way they depersonalize your corpse into an unidentical crude outline of a human body really emphasizes the finality of death more than anything else I've encountered on this podcast. And that's really saying something. Even worse, in a lot of pictures of them placed on top of this linen ghoul is a flower to symbolize, I guess, remembrance or connection to nature. And somehow that contrast of the flower with like the ghoulish shroud makes things even more sinister and like weird. The mushroom suit is sort of the high-tech version of this shroud, and believe something I've brought up here before. The suit was developed by J. Rim Lee, founder of Koyo, a California-based green burial company. It's essentially a cotton suit lined with spores to help leach out toxins out of your body while you decompose. I've seen the early prototypes of this in her TED Talk and in a later version in a documentary on the company's website. And this suit kind of makes you look like you're in a cheap Halloween morph suit or a knockoff Kanye design. I'm sorry, it's very cool, but it's not for me. If it doesn't pass the aesthetics test, eh. Plus the suit costs upwards of $1,500 and I don't need to spend that when my body will decompose fine on its own. I mean, Luke Perry is buried in one, so there's that, but we'll get to celebrity deaths. Obviously, one of the tenets of green funerals is that the body and casket are allowed to decompose back into the earth. But what I learned with Mark at Willow's Rest, that's the place where I'm thinking of being buried, is that a funeral director is not actually legally allowed to check if the outfit you're wearing is fully compostable, at least where I live in Ontario. So that means it's free reign, baby, if you're willing to have an outfit that will never decompose, and for vanity's sake, hell yeah, I am. I get to choose whatever I want, baby. Okay, there's one sweater that might be a contender. It says stuck on earth with a little halo on it. I mean, gotta say it's appropriate. Or I could go with a shirt that says cops love Coke. What do we think? There's one with a possessed doll and a gun. If you want to go out in style like I do, looking at the world of celebrity deaths is a great place to start. Marilyn Monroe was found in her bed naked, but was buried in her favorite green dress by designer Pucci, which was chosen by her housekeeper. Michael Jackson was buried in an outfit costing $35,000, consisting of a pearl jacket like the one he wore when he won a Grammy in 94, bead-encrusted Levi's, and lucite shin guards, which he was supposed to wear for his new tour, This Is It, before his passing. Socialite Sandra Eileen West was buried in her negligee behind the wheel of her powder blue Ferrari. Vroom, vroom, bitch. Talk about highway to hell. And yeah, they really did bury a whole ass Ferrari. You can look up the images. They basically took the whole thing and put it in like a giant cargo box and then buried that whole box. And from what I can see from some of the pictures, she's not really like behind the wheel, like gripping the wheel. They must have put her in a casket and then they put the casket in the Ferrari and then they put that Ferrari inside of a big wooden box and then they put that in the ground. And guess where this was? No surprise, Texas. 
it is insane. I could be buried in my 2018 Chevy Volt, but I think it would lack the same air of glamour. But glamour is definitely an undeniable factor in what I'm going after. And green funerals are so modest. I need an ostentatious angle here. In terms of my personal style evolution, let me try to outline it without sounding completely self-interested. Although I think given the premise of this podcast, that's pretty much out the window. Age zero, I wore Cabbage Patch Kids clothes because I was a month premature. I have reason to believe this influenced my nightgown phase, where I was jealous of my sister's nightgowns that had her name embroidered on the front. So my mom gave me an extra long shirt with my name, Sam, printed in fabric print on the front. Fast forward to grade five and six, huge tie-dye phase, just huge. So much so that my room was actually comprised of rainbow swirls sprayed on the wall by a very strange Eastern European man who agreed to do that. I was obsessed with wearing as much color as possible. I learned in art class that orange and blue were complementary colors, so I thought, oh, perfect. And I would regularly wear a orange tracksuit pants with bright blue sweater. Then uh, if we fast forward to high school, that was the age of Volcom, Abercrombie, if you're Canadian, Le Chateau. I loved a sweater vest. I actually loved to dress how most boys my age would dress for like a wedding, except for school. And I would douse myself in cologne. Then it was time to get hip. Uh, I remember in high school wearing a deep purple v-neck with skinny black suspenders and white sneakers. The American apparel effect. Very cringy when you are still prepubescent. Then I came out of the closet and it didn't get much better. String tank tops, Lady Gaga apparel, just my own stereotype. Uh, I would make crop tops, fringed crop tops, a sequined Americana vest was something I really loved and thought was cool and is still cool. Um, then my love for vintage was found, I guess. Uh, now a lot of the stuff I own is thrifted, which I think is more ethical, but I can't keep track because someone tells me Value Village is owned by Walmart. Guys, I don't know. Google it. Most days I feel like I'm dressed like some kind of character, even though I don't think other people notice. <laughs> for example, today I found a t-shirt with that my Nona gave me from Rome. It has a gaudy picture of the Trevi Fountain in black and white and the words Roma in gold cursive letters at the top. And I'm wearing it in anticipation for the House of Gucci movie. I'm actually calling it unofficial merch. Um, So yeah, I wear whatever I want. Um, Sometimes stuff that makes me laugh, like the Roma t-shirt or vintage stuff. My style is a hodgepodge of thrifted vintage, gifts from family members who buy me stuff that's much nicer than I would ever buy for myself. And yeah, still some Lady Gaga merch. So unless her outfit from the Super Bowl is available, I have to figure out what I'm going to wear. I'm currently trying on a turtleneck sweater that was in the discount bin and... Has a hole in the clavicle. The music stopped. I don't want to be listened to. There's a hole in the clavicle that I'm trying to figure out how it works. Am I supposed to layer this turtleneck? Is this copyright music? Mm-hmm. 
think it's two turtlenecks sewed together. Okay. I, I, I wanted to talk with the sales associates, but like, I feel weird. Like they don't know I'm going to be here. I was going to talk to the sales associates, but I chickened out. It's weird asking people, hey, what would you get buried in? But I don't think I found a fit here today. I don't want to be buried in just a sweater with a hole I can't figure out. Okay. We got to find something else, kids. I needed guidance only a proper stylist could provide. So I called up my friend Isabel Zotten. She's one of the best-dressed Toronto comedians on the scene, an ex-stylist and current illustrator, and a new mom. Okay, so Isabel, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Uh, Isabel, you are an illustrator, a comedian, um, and a fashion person, which is what I choose to use. I would say fashionista, but I hate that word. I like fashion person more, I think. Fashion person with a hyphen. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you also host and produce a fashion comedy show competition called Hack Couture, which is lots of fun and makes you the perfect person to ask about everything fashion related. Uh, And I feel like you have the same uh, kind of um, curiosity about darker things as I do. So I thought you'd be perfect to ask about this. Nice and morbid. Yeah, that's me. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So I guess to start, um, you are somebody who not only wears incredible outfits, but I think you have a very good sense of what your personal sense of style is. So I'm curious to hear how you've kind of, how you kind of got into fashion and how you sort of arrived at your sense of style. Oh, great. So I went to high school at a place where I had to wear a uniform. Actually, that's a lie. I started going to a uniform school and I was in fifth grade. So my clothing style, my clothing options were very limited. And actually, even before then, I'd lived so far up north that there were no clothing stores. We had to wait every year for the Sears catalog to arrive. Really where did, you, where did you grow up? How far north? So I grew up in a place called Fort Vermilion, Alberta. If you look at it on a map, there's the Northwest Territories. And then there's Fort Vermilion, Alberta, like nuzzled right underneath the border to the Northwest Territories. <clears throat> For a little bit of context, it was a 10-hour drive north of Edmonton, so very north. Um, like, the, like the sun doesn't set in the summer north. So that was Whoa. where I was a child. Wait, and- I feel like this is actually explaining a lot of your personality, <laughs> if I may. <laughs> I grew up in a cold and dark place. Yep. And we every year had to wait for the Sears catalog to arrive, and we would pick out what jeans we want, and then we would cross our fingers and to God that they would fit when they arrived a couple months later. Of course, this doesn't sound as weird now that everyone is online shopping, but there was a there was a solid window in like, I'm going to say 2002, where trying to describe this life to people completely baffled them. And they were like, what are you talking about? There are no stores. You just had to like hope and pray that the garments fit. And you were like, yeah. And now everyone's like, I buy my bras online. So Everything comes Yeah, it's a subscription service. What are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> a new bra every month. <laughs> so I was just, we were ahead of our time, but clothing was very limited and it was also limited to, okay, what's warm 
what is going to be hidden under a jacket. Then I went to school at this uniform school, wasn't allowed to select what I could wear. There was one day out of every month where you would pay $2 and you would get a pizza lunch and a civvies day or a jeans day is what they would call it. And you get to wear non-uniform clothes. And I lived for that day. Civvies like, day and Civvies Fort Vermillion? Okay. Oh, no, no this like, is when we moved to Toronto. So we went... Oh, like, okay. The, the uniform school was in Toronto. Got it. Yeah. For a comedian, I'm a bad storyteller. So we moved from the cold north where we were, we had our subscription clothing service. Then when we came to Toronto, instead of being like, you know, urban and, you know, their no, malls... The, your storytelling is great. Your there was, <laughs> it was, it was, you were, um, oh God, it's still early for me. Uh, you were... Uh, what's the word I want when you're not allowed to do something? I don't know. There was a lack of freedom in two different ways. You had it one way from Fort Vermillion and then truck. Mm -hmm. Very limited. But that one day where I got to wear, like pick what I wear, I would spend the whole month planning it. I think we all did in some sort of way. Um, But also I was the only poor kid and not the only poor kid, but I was one of the only poor kids at the school. I was there because of a scholarship and because my mom was a teacher there. So it was not only planning out of excitement of, Ooh, I'm going to get to wear what I want. But also it was trying to disguise the fact that we didn't have money and couldn't shop at the same places that everyone else could. And that way I'm kind of grateful for the uniform because it's very easy to hide behind it in terms of where you're shopping. But on this one day I had to dress in a way that was like fashionable. So no one would be like, Oh, that's not name brand. Oh, and also again, I'm going to date myself. I went to high school in the in the late 2000s, where everyone was all about. Uh, it was Aritzia, was yes. where everyone was shopping, um, and everyone was wearing like champion pants, and like those like lace like um, those lace layering things. So it looked like there was another top under your top, oh, but yeah. it was just like a band. What was that? That was so weird. And it was, do you remember the short, short cardigans? Oh my God. Everything was baby, like baby girl size, like winter yep. coats that like zipped up at the nipple. Yeah. They were like, and ever, and girls would put their hands in their pockets and they'd just be resting their hands over their boobs in the pockets of the jacket. Yeah. They're like so much repression. Mm-hmm. And so, and so from that repression, you were just like, uh, listen, like between the late 2000s, four for a million, this uniform, and now you just, you truly are like a walking, like mood board of just color and shapes. <laughs> yeah, I would find ways to work around the loopholes in the uniform. For example, the rules also didn't make any logical sense. They're like, any accessories must be the same color as the colors on the kilt. So if you wore something that was, say, pink, it would be confiscated. I remember I wore a little pink flower, like on a hair clip, and the, the flower was maybe the size of the tip of my thumb. It was small. It was cute. And the principal was like, uh, contraband, and it got taken away. Trunch ball. Trunch yeah. ball style. It was, so that way it was intense, but... So I basically read through the uniform rules with like a little mini lawyer. I don't know if you heard that. 
my cat just <laughs> no, it's okay. jumped on the no. shelf and knocked over some bowls. No, it's okay. I also wanted to mention, congratulations, you are a new mom. And I think that's very cool for this podcast because we were kind of remarking birth, death, the cycle, and here you are. There we go. And so you may also hear the baby in the background, just FYI. Yeah, there might be a baby. There might also be a bratty cat. There might be both. They're friends. Basically, I would make my own accessories in the colors of the uniform so they couldn't be confiscated but they were as outrageous as possible. So I would take bobby pins and I would glue like feathers to them. I would make, uh, I remember making headbands out of like doll parts. Basically anything, anything was allowed as long as it was green, red or Navy or white, I think. So I would just make like, I would wear fairy wings and I would argue, Oh, they're the same color as the uniform. Nowhere in the, it was a very, Airbud, nowhere in the rules that say a dog can't play basketball, kind of a logic. <laughs> and you became like a Lizzie McGuire character where it's like, where it's like, oh, uh, this character, like their thing is like, or I don't know, like the Heathers where they all dress in like red, blue, and yellow, just those specific <laughs> colors. For- I love that you said Lizzie McGuire because Miranda was like my style icon as a child. I'm getting big Miranda vibes. Yeah. That was her friend, right? With the dark yeah. hair. And I liked her because uh, she was, she was non-white. <laughs> Yes. And that's stylish. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> that's why I think I see myself perpetually in life as the side color character, as the fun friend, because Disney TV, when I was a child, the fun friend was always, that was the one that was allowed to not be white. I mean, you're in good company when uh, with me in terms of the fun <laughs> friend. <laughs> I also suffer from that. God, I would, anyone could cast me as the fun friend. I would immediately, I'd take it. That's fine, even now. I mean, I think um, it's safe to say we are both fun friends. Uh, well, of course, but, you know, um, that goes without saying. Um, okay, so have you ever given thought, now this is a bit of a jump to your funeral, maybe specifically what you might wear um, if you were being buried or cremated or however? I think about this a lot. I've been thinking about this since I was... A child, definitely. It's always fascinated me that people are buried in formal wear when in reality that's not what we wear every day of our lives. And it seems almost misrepresentative of who we are. It's all, it, So it's almost shocking going to a funeral of, say, a grandparent we love very much. My grandparents all died fairly recently. So I guess the first time I saw like an old person in a casket, it was a friend of my grandparents. But... I had never seen that man in a tux before in my entire life, surely. And I think someone remarked that it might have been the tux that he got married in because we know straight men, they have one tux and then they wear it for their entire lives. Until they get buried in it. Until they're buried in it. It's for their prom, for their wedding, and then they get buried in it. <laughs> uh, God, we just figured out the Moore's spring campaign. Here we go. <laughs> the three stages of man, all the lives, all the world's a stage <laughs> in one tux. <laughs> yeah. It's like the three in one shampoo of tuxes. <laughs> uh, straight men love a three in one. They love the body so wash, conditioner, and shampoo. Uh, you're assembling the marketing pitch as we speak. <laughs> Listen, we're going to we're going to sell them on what was it? It was prom, wedding, funeral, <laughs> 3 in 1. <laughs> Maybe a reversible option in case they want to change from blue to hold up black. Anyway. I can just see Don Draper pitching it now. 
There are, there are three Man. most important days in every man's life. <laughs> God, I wonder what pattern he'd finally settle on. Um, probably something he'd get canceled for again. Um, okay, so sorry, I totally took you on a tangent. but It was yes, a fun tangent. You're... I enjoyed the trip. But basically... It, People have clothes that they love and they wear all the time. And then they have the clothes that they're buried in, which are really like, that's the outfit you're going to wear for the longest. Really? And you're picking something that isn't representative of you as a person. And that is very strange to me. I think that coupled with the strange, um, the corpse makeup that they put on. Yeah. It was very, for young me, it was very shocking. Jarring. Yeah. Jarring well, is probably this- more accurate than shocking. Cause I wasn't like, <gasps> I was just like, Oh yeah. Well, and not to bring us on another tangent, but this brings up the kind of age old shower thought of like, if you die in an outfit, are you a ghost in that outfit forever? Yeah. Something to consider. It's an important thing to consider. Mm-hmm. Also, that means considering the amount of people who die just in their house from falling. And that the shower is the big fall hazard. There, there are a lot of naked ghosts out there, if that rule is true. Oh, yeah. Okay, so bathe fully clothed and um, live Almost every wear, day. Like, a little swim cap. <laughs> live yeah. your Esther Williams fantasy in the shower. Yes, I was going to say, like that woman, did you had her name right at the ready. Um, okay, so what outfit would you get buried in? Do you have any idea? Like if you could kind of I have order it custom several. or... Okay, okay. so here are my plans. I'm of two minds of this, okay? One is that when people think about what they're going to be buried in, especially women, because with men, you know, they've got their three-in-one tucks, but with women, they're like, hey, this is my favorite dress, this is my best outfit, whatever. But when people think about garments, very rarely do they think about movement and fabrics mm. because often what makes a garment, and I think that um, Iris Van Herpen is an excellent example of this because everyone loves her work because she thinks, how will this garment move? And that's what makes them beautiful. And on red carpets and at events, it's all about like how the fabrics fall, how they photograph. There's so much more to think about than just what it looks like kind of as a drawing. And when you're in your coffin or casket, Different I see thing. where you're going. This is very interesting. Okay. You need yeah. something that's going to look good when you're lying down and you're not moving at all. And, and gravity, it's hits your, I was thinking of this lying down yesterday, it hits your face and everything different. Yeah, exactly. So if you, you can't go with like a nice poofy tea dress because that's going to lie flat in your legs. It's going to look a little, to me, I wouldn't like how that looks. I would want to practice oh. in all of my garments just lying down. <laughs> Seeing how they look and how they fall, especially in the bodice area, because for women, bodices are are made for you when you're standing up and gravity is doing its thing. But when you're lying down, things can go a little a little sideways. Uh, and I mean that literally. So you'd have to see yeah. okay, how does bodice fit when I'm lying down. Well, and, and the poofy dress is like I, now I'm imagining them, you know, like trying to stuff it in. <laughs> you know, so much yeah. air. How is it going to fit in the coffin? <laughs> or can Yeah. And you could really maybe use this as a unique opportunity. You know, it, you could wear something like pretty structured that you don't have to move in 
and you know, you don't have to really worry about comfort. You don't have to worry about comfort. Exactly. Exactly. We're not talking about this. Yeah, no, that's the thing. You can wear as much Spanx as they can slap on that corpse. Like, I want to be corseted, you know, so that my waist <laughs> and that coffin looks snatched. I don't have to care about if I can breathe in this. No Your way. organs, yep. vitally, vital functions. Yeah, exactly. And lying down, again, you can wear a su- like a super structured cone bra that's going to make those babies point straight to the heavens. You don't have to worry about an underwire rubbing your arms the wrong way. I did this. I did the photo shoot for the, um, the podcast cover art for this show lying down in my backyard. And even that, like my suit jacket puffed all up and like my face was like weird and like my hair was different. And I have first, I mean, I have firsthand account on all of this. It it, stuff lies weird when you're lying down. Yeah. Then, terms of hair, I honestly think that the best, okay. I think one of the chicest things that you can do with your hair is to wear like a turban or a fabric headpiece. I love that look, especially like with like the scarves from the fifties or especially when you're dead. I mean, because yeah. you're the hair, it can be a real wild card. You don't know how that's going to fall, especially if you have long hair or I guess with me, like I like it. I like a choppy bob. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not going to be there to fix my bangs while I lay flat on my back. Well, I mean, and here is the control freaks, you know, ultimate nightmare of dying and why I am doing this podcast in the beginning is like how much instruction can I inflict on people? And I'm hoping as much as possible, you know, <laughs> as much as possible. I mean, it, you have to at that point, your faith has to go into the hands of your handler. I mean, hopefully they have a comb and hairspray at the ready and. They're doing all that stuff, but that's why a lot. I've heard a lot of people say like the makeup was weird and I'm like, that is awful. What a nightmare. I don't want my makeup looking weird. This is why when I get older, I'm thinking I might become like a kooky old lady who wears, you know, just fabric headpieces all the time. So that when I die, they can put a nice fashionable turban on me and I can look like kind of like a 1940s Dior kind of head. (sighs) And no one will be like, why is she wearing a turban? That's a great solution. I don't know if turban is for me, but I have kind of thought now, would it be so wrong to kind of in your uh, death plan supply one of those like Mac cosmetics face maps where you kind of like draw out what you want your makeup to be. (laughs) (laughs) And so that way they can just kind of hand it to the mortician and be like, do this. (laughs) But also makeup on a corpse is very different from makeup on a living person. I know, but I would hope that they could just kind of translate my vision. (laughs) I don't know. I've watched videos on it. It looks like pretty similar. It's just like, it's kind of like drag makeup, but like you're dead and it's like very thick, but like they just have other problems like discoloration and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But like, because the skin is a whole different animal. Once you pass away and good skin is the key to a good makeup face. (sighs) Okay. Well, we'll just hope for the best (laughs) there, I guess, but okay. So I know that again, this may be another tall order. I think you have like at least a little bit of an understanding of my personal style. 
Um, hopefully not what I've worn on your show before since that was totally outrageous, but maybe not. Do you have any visions or any ideas you can give me in terms of like a direction I should go in for, for what I should get buried in? It seems like, you know, formal wear is sort of blasé. And so if not formal wear, then what are we, what are we looking at? Okay. So this is great. This leads right into my second point. So my first mind is do something totally stretchered, totally high fashion, don't worry about comfort and lie down in it a couple times when you're live so you can see how it falls. My second opinion is, and um, like I mentioned, I brought a poem by the poet Billy Collins from his book, The Trouble with Poetry. It's called Breathless. I'm going to read it now. Um, Hopefully this doesn't take up too much time. It's just a page. And this is what informed my second opinion on uh, what I'm going to be buried in. It's called Breathless. Please go for it. Some like the mountains, some like the seashore. Jean-Paul Belmodo says to the camera in the opening scene, some like to sleep face up, some like to sleep on their stomachs. I'm thinking here in bed, some take the shape of murder victims, flat on their backs all night, others float face down on the dark waters. And there are those like me who prefer to sleep on their sides, knees brought up to the chest, head resting on a crooked arm and a soft fist touching the chin, which is the way I would like to be buried. Curled up in a coffin, in a fresh pair of cotton pajamas, a down pillow under my weighty head, after a lifetime of watchfulness and nervous vigilance, I'll be more than ready for sleep. So never mind the dark suit, the ridiculous tie, and the pale, limp hands crossed on the chest. Lower me down in my slumber, tucked into myself like the oldest fetus on earth. And while cows look over the stone wall of the cemetery, let me rest here in my earthy little bedroom, my lashes glazed with ice, the roots of trees inching nearer, and no dreams to frighten me anymore. Okay, thank you for that. I love this poem. And this poem made me realize, do I want to get buried in pajamas? That is glamorous. Like a beautiful silk pajama. We're thinking like Lucille Bluth. Like a gorgeous pattern, silk mm-hmm. PJ, and then just like cozy, Co- cozy but glamorous. Maybe like a marabou slipper. A marabou, something silk for sure. And then in this way, I kind of get, or you would kind of get your outfit of choice. It's glamorous. It's nice. And I think it's actually like doable, like for the mortician, because like, <laughs> I've been doing research in like what they say you should mm-hmm. get buried in. And it's pretty much, you know, everything I would want to get buried in, they would say absolutely not. Or it'd be too hard <laughs> to get the the body in. But I imagine silk pajamas pretty easy. And can to get you, on. is there any garment more glamorous than an expensive pajama? Someone who is living the lifestyle where they can invest in a glamorous sleep garment like that's that speaks like money honey you know because we all have our fancy going out outfit our three-in-one suit where we're like okay now i'm gonna put on the appearance of wealth for other people but if you're someone who's like a luxurious pajama just for you there's like there's nothing to me that is fancier I did also want to share something funny. Like I I was doing again, research on like what people were saying was like a good thing to choose for like a loved one to get buried in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found this like 
incredibly conservative website called like funeralcompanion.com. Oh. And yeah, and I, and I say conservative not politically, but just like in their um in the the choices and in their advice. But I wanted to share it because it was like the opposite of everything. Like it was like don't provide tight fitting clothing, don't include accessories for the face, don't bother with shoes, don't try to be amusing don't be inappropriate. I was like, so I'm going to have no clothes. Don't try to be amusing. Don't try to be amusing. They, 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 and then it goes on to say, this should be fairly obvious, but it's still important to mention, do not, this is in all caps, dress the dead in revealing sexy clothing, even if it's the way they dressed in real life. It is just distasteful, much like trying to make it humorous. There's a time <laughs> and a place. This is not it. Uh- what if I want to have a sexy corpse? What if I want my pajamas to be a little a little nighty? Yeah. What if you want to look like I don't I don't know what movie I'm remembering this from. Maybe it's just how I see Jennifer Coolidge in my mind's eye, but I want to look like Jennifer Coolidge descending a staircase being like hello with like a <laughs> like a fuzzy what are they like um like a, a robe with like the ostrich plumes, sure, and like a slinky, you know, nighty. The sl- the slippers kind of have like mm-hmm. a feather pom pom or two or something. Yes. Why can't why can't corpses be sexy? Um, I don't know. I think uh, I mean the obvious answer is people are pretty scared of death. But I think also, again, our poor mortician. I mean, the more skin you show, the more you must prepare. <laughs> that is true. That's why a nice like a. Again, like a Lucille Bluth, a long sleeve PJ with a long pant and a marabou slipper. Maybe some piping, some piping yep. around the lapel. I wish I could okay. remember the name of the brand, but there was a, like a luxury brand of like pajama day wear that I was aware of for a while. They came in the most beautiful, vibrant prints because I love color. I don't want to be buried in like a black whatever. And they were like gorgeous jewel tones, vibrant, like just beautiful and they were well, they were the whole conceit of them was that they were pajamas that were like you could wear at home or you but you could also wear them out because they were so beautiful looking and i'm gonna look up the brand for you after this and send it to you so you can um link it or whatever please but. please send i i assume it was like a pandemic brand that was like oh hey dear. oh no this is actually pre-pandemic back when i was working as a stylist um I encountered this brand. Yeah. When I was working at the the luxury department at Nordstrom, this is how I encountered them. (laughs) That's exactly where I have to head for these PJs. It would, it would seem. I did also want to mention that this is great news because um, something I was worried about is that I want to be buried in like a green funeral plot. That was like the previous episode. Mm -hmm. I went and I like toured a green funeral graveyard and I like picked out a plot and everything but then I what I haven't revealed yet and what I might may input here in the our recording is that Mark who was showing me around the graveyard actually told me that um although they like recommend for you to be buried in or all organic material they can't legally check because so, ah. I was worried for a bit. I was like, are we going to have to just stick with like linen and cotton? Well, silk is a natural fiber. So, oh my God. Wait. So I get it both ways. 
Wow. I'm, I'm thrilled that I asked for your advice because it's really checking all the boxes. I thought, you know, whatever I choose, it's, of course, it's going to be synthetic. It's going to be crazy. It's going to have, I don't know, like gemstones on it that will like never decompose for 3000 years. But, but I mean, gems are of the earth. It's not like they're going to decompose into microplastics. Wear as many gems as you want. <laughs> if they're real gems, yeah, it's true. It's organic material. I just yeah. have to splurge for the real thing mm-hmm. at the Nordstrom, uh, not the Nordstrom rack, the, Nor- the real <laughs> Nordstrom. I wanted to say Nordstrom. Yeah, this is real Nordstrom. <laughs> not this is the a Nordstrom, Nordstrom rack Nordstrom. we're talking about. Upper echelon. <laughs> um, well, you've certainly given me a lot to think about and some really good ideas, Isabel. I'm so glad I talked to you. Thank you. Um, I love this idea and I'm going to, I'm going to look into some, uh, some luxurious PJs. Who doesn't love a fancy PJ? That was Isabel Zotin. You can follow her on Instagram at Isabel Zotin. I will put her tag in the show notes. I'm learning pretty quickly that crowdsourcing your death plan can be super informative because I loved Ali's idea of the tree and the decorating it every birthday of mine. That would be July 31st. And I'm loving this PJ idea from Isabel. I checked out some of the brands that she recommended. None of the patterns really fit my style, but when I was browsing Instagram for some gift ideas, I found this brand called Pangaea. And they happen to even be environmentally friendly and they have some really cute pajama sets. Um, One of my favorite colors is like lilac lavender and they have this orchid purple outfit. And I've gone ahead and asked for that for Christmas um, so that I can kind of, because I want to be able to touch it and feel it and put it on before I commit to it. But that is looking like a great contender for some stylish PJs that... I wouldn't mind being buried in. I would look peaceful, sleeping, and be in a gorgeous orchid lilac color. So, yeah, more on this later, but um, I'm pretty happy with that plan as of right now. So listen, you know the deal. Prepare to Die is an independent podcast. It's written, produced, researched by me, Sam Sferaza. Uh, And you can follow us on Instagram at prepare to die the pod. And you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Sam is laughing. See you soon.